Hello friends, and welcome to Anything Goes. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, and to those of you new, welcome to the show, welcome to the Anything Goes family. Let's jump into today's episode, shall we? Hey friends, just a quick moment to let you know, this show very much could use your support. So if you would like this show and you enjoy listening in, then please consider going to anchor.fm forward slash Joseph hyphen Guzman hyphen MA. There, you can click on the support button and that will let you become a monthly supporter to the podcast ranging from anywhere to $0.99 a month, or $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Obviously, if you would like to become a larger monthly supporter, or if you'd like to do a one-time gift to the show, you can click that other button that says Message and let me know. And as always, friends, I love hearing your hellos, so please continue to send those as well. Thank you for all of you that have supported us so far and that continue to support us now. Let's get back to the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Anything Goes. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, M.A. Well, here we are. On the return path after a long break. I hope you enjoyed the last episode. Um, I wanted to kind of start off um, just kind of talking a little bit with me about who I am. And I know I haven't done a whole lot of that, and I tend to be rather private about aspects of my life, but there are some things I like to share. And so last episode, we were talking a bit about some of the passions and the people first approach and things like that. So I thought today I would talk a little bit about what that means to me when I talk about a people-first approach to doing business or any organization. As I stated in the previous episode, people-first obviously means you're focused on the people. And that is because at the root of it, right, any organization, any organization starts with people. If you don't have people, it's hard to build a business and to grow a business. You can only do so much as one person, but even you are a people, right? You're a person. And so in order to start an organization, you need a person. Uh, And so I have seen over the decades, uh, really I would say probably maybe around the 70s going into the 80s, Um, we started seeing uh, a shift away from business being about taking care of their people to instead being more focused on taking care of bottom line. And how that has manifested has not always been in good ways. Uh, For example, um, back in the 80s, let me see, I'm trying to remember how old I was at that time. I think I may have been elementary. Um, So back in the 80s, my father 
worked for a long time for Federal Express. Years. Uh, at that time, they still had a retirement time, right? After you worked so many years, you could retire and you get, you know, your pension or whatever it was. My dad was really quickly or closely approaching that time frame. Uh, he was at 22 years, uh, where I think 25 was the time where you could then retire and get your pension. He was with Federal Express for 22 years. He would drive trucks, you know, out to, you know, interstate drives. He would drive locally. Um, There's a lot of wear and tear on his knees, his, you know, lower back and things from jumping in and out of those things all the time. Um, he was a very dedicated person to the company. Uh, he had friends that he made there. And in fact, one of the people he was friends with there ended up marrying later in life. Um, that is my, my late stepmother. She's passed away a few years from uh, overdose. She committed suicide, unfortunately. Um, but he was very committed to that company. And then he got a medical issue that was outside of his control. He had a growth that developed on his pituitary gland. And he had to go through quite a bit of hospitalization and doctors testing him and trying to figure out what was going on to find out that he had this rare condition that really didn't make sense for his, uh, his ethnicity. It wasn't common in his ethnicity. It wasn't common for his age range. It wasn't common for his gender. But he just happened to be the one that got it. And it was something that required a change in his life going forward. He still has medication he has to take. Uh, because whatever the growth is, while it isn't cancerous and it hasn't grown, it's attached to his pituitary gland stem, and it it causes problems in the way his body functions. So when that happened, as he was going through all this medical issue and being he had to be out of work for all this medical testing and everything, uh, he was on medical leave, and then the company decided to just let him go. Now, it doesn't take a genius to think about why. He was three years shy of being able to retire and get compensation for you know his pension, his life retirement money from the company. And they made the dollar bottom line first approach and let go of a man who had been dedicated to that company for more than two decades, almost two and a half decades, who really kind of damaged his body some in dedication to the company. And when his health took a, a negative turn, which was out of his control, it wasn't him doing poor choices. It just, he got hit with something that he couldn't help. They let him go because it would have been cheaper. It was cheaper to let him go and to deal with the ramifications of it than to keep him there and potentially have to retire him sooner and start paying him pension sooner. It was a really, really terrible move on Federal Express's move, uh, part to do that. Uh, and it left him in a position where he had to start over again. Imagine that you worked for a company and you thought you were getting close to loyal, your, your loyalty was going to be rewarded with your pension in just a few short years. And instead you get let go and you get nothing. Nothing. No severance package. Nothing. And then you have to start all over again. 
And meanwhile, you're raising a kid. Granted, as I mentioned before, there were abuse issues going on, but that's another story for another time. He was still a single father trying to raise a son. And he it just put him in a difficult spot because now he's dealing with medical things that he has to tend to and he's having to start over again on a career that he thought he was going to be able to retire from soon. <clears throat> so back to square one after 22 years with a company. That was the beginning of my learning about people first approach and why bottom line dollar first approach business practices are terrible. <clears throat> These days, you don't need to look far to see how that still exists. Consider Amazon and the issues that have gone on there. And I've had family that works at Amazon. I still have family that works at Amazon who have talked about what they've seen there and the way they're treated. Uh, I used It used to be that you would hear that that was Walmart, people talking about how terrible Walmart was with them. And I still hear that, but not nearly as badly. They've gotten better at it. Uh, at not being quite so lousy in those ways. But Amazon still has a terrible history of that. I've heard that over and over and over again from people that are friends, people that I've met that have worked there, people that are family, who have said, I have yet to meet one who have said positive things about their experience there. Other than, well, the pay's all right. But I've heard accounts of people being timed on their restroom breaks and getting, you know, chewed out for taking too long on a restroom break. Um, I've heard issues of people not even being able to do restroom breaks uh, and people telling me that, you know, they see Gatorade bottles within certain areas where people just pee in a bottle because that's all they can do. Um, people getting in trouble if they're getting sick and trying to encourage them to keep coming to work even if they're sick, which consider COVID, right? How, how would that not be a super spreader event? Um, these things exist and it's all down to how do we keep making money and how much can we take of our people and now Amazon is trying to make and, and vilify those people that are trying to unionize uh, the workforce of Amazon so that they can try to get more fair work environments and I don't blame them my part of my training is non-verbal communication um, and what I did in the military was useful in having those skills, and that's where I was enhanced in them, so that I could learn how to read people and, and see what the body was telling me, even if their words were saying something else. It helped me to decipher when someone might be being deceptive or there was something they were reacting to that was out of character, out of the baseline, if you will. And many of these people I've talked to, well, I would say all the people I've talked to, I have yet to see one that I was like, you're lying. You're blatantly lying. There are a few where I wouldn't put it past it, right? Because it's human psychology to sometimes embellish on something because you're trying to garner some extra sympathy or something. But these people are being honest and their accounts are honest and the experiences are honest. And I've seen these reports, Vice and others who have talked about what's going on with that and hearing what people say, and it just disgusts me. It is such a common practice to see companies do this. 
and organizations, not even just companies for profit, but even nonprofit, that will take advantage of people. Uh, I've even seen it as a as a Christian, right? I've seen it in some church organizations where they will they will try to take advantage of people and get them to do as much as they can get out of them, you know, and simply use the, the definition, well, you're doing it for the Lord. And it's, it's, it's wrong. I'm not saying people shouldn't volunteer, but it should be at their discretion and at their decision and at their limits. People should not try to take advantage of that. And it happens. And so because of that, you see these, this business first, bottom line, dollar first approach that happens. And I think it needs, it is long overdue for change. To me, if you take care of the people who are doing the work of your company so that you can keep the company and keep making money and keep bringing on new clients and all of that, you need to take care of them. They're taking care of what you, you're, you've built so that you can enjoy your life the way you wanted to and maybe be able to step away from the company and still enjoy your payments because you own it while you do other things and they still get their paychecks. There's a way you build the organization to help facilitate that. And that's part of what I look at, right? Is creating a people-first uh, workforce, uh, work environment. And part of that is about learning the people and learning what's going on with them, using my training in nonverbal communication, uh, using uh, my, my understandings and tools that I've developed over time to help me get a baseline of people and to help me kind of understand where they're at and what's going on with them so that we can, I can better help them be at their best performance at work. And if that means needing to speak to leadership and say, hey, like for example, you know, you notice that there's a guy that's been working at the organization and his performance has been dropping. But I know that that person has also had a wife that just had a child. And so there's a newborn at home then I know enough to know there's chances are they're probably not getting the best sleep at night throughout the night. And so he's probably tired. And yeah, it's hard to have peak performance when you're tired. And knowing those kinds of things allow me to be able to then go to leadership and say, hey, here's a way that you can be decent, right? <laughs> I wouldn't put it in those terms, but essentially that's the idea is, you know, here's how you can be decent to your people. Yes, his performance has dropped. But the reason is because he's got a newborn baby at home and it's keeping them up at night. They're not able to sleep all the time. As people who have had newborns know, babies will, a lot of times if they do cluster feeding, right, they're, they're waking up every few hours to, to nurse, then they need diaper changes and all of that. And obviously, mom is not going to do it all. Sometimes she needs dad to help out. Uh, and so sleep is affected. And so an easy solution there in my mind is to say, okay, well, let's talk to the person and say, okay, we know that this is going on. We know this is happening for you. What would be a solution that would help? You know, would being able to work remotely from home maybe two or three days a week maybe help you to be more able to work? Would having some flexibility on getting the work done a little more so that you can get it completed, but you can still get a good night's rest? Would that help? And if it is right, then that's where you go to leadership and say, this is what we can do. Be flexible, right? Those little things 
makes the difference on keeping good quality people and keeping peak performance. It's not always about money. If people are coming to you about money, it may not always be that they need more money. Sometimes it is. But because companies are so focused on dollars, then people are relegated to this idea that that's the only direction they have is to say, I need you to give me more money. But if you take the time to really get to know your, your workforce and to understand their needs, a good project manager does this. And in some ways, what I do is somewhat within project management is I'm trying to find out what's happening within organizations and within different departments of them and say, okay, what do you need? What are you lacking? How can we help you, you know, perform better? What, what, what is it that's keeping you from doing that? And if it's just facilitating things like, okay, maybe you have a development team, you know, a software development team that's working, you know, long hours because you're trying to produce some, you know, really powerful software or you've got deadlines to meet, then the chances are they're working long hours. They're tired. They're hungry. Um, so things you can do, yes, it's gonna, it may cost you a little more, but in the long run, it's better to do it, is provide food for them. If you're going to require them to work longer, provide food for them. And don't be a cheapskate. Think about what they need and give them that. If you have someone that's vegan, you know, don't just order fajita, grilled fajita vegetables and tortillas and be like, here you go. Um, be decent. If someone's got IBS, think about those things. It goes a long way to just, if you're going to provide food, provide what the person really wants. They feel valued. They feel heard. And when people have that, they're more inclined to work more for you. Now, we're coming up on a break, so we'll pick up on that right after this advertisement slot. All right, friends, we are back. So before the break, I was talking about some of these things that you can do decently, and I was talking about even things like food. If someone's, if you, in the example, right, if the development team's working long hours, <clears throat> provide a meal or two. If you're going to have them there over several days, provide some meals, you know? If they normally get off at, let's say, four or five on a, on a you know, normal day, and you've got them there potentially till eight, you owe them food, I would say. Not just pay. Take care of their, their dinner that they're missing going home to or whatever. And give them what they need on that food, not what you feel is the cheapest thing you can do. Be nice to them. They're working hours beyond for you. The least you can do is provide them a good meal so that they can keep working. Maybe provide some nice coffee or energy drinks or whatever it is that they need. Um... Things like that really can make a difference. Does it cost some money? Yes. And if you're a small business, you may not be able to afford to do that a lot yet, right? But it is possible to factor that in as you grow. Um, other things are just flexibility. Now that we've been through COVID, uh, the debate is kind of on about employers trying to force people to come back to the office and employees saying, I did well working from home and I felt happier which that should say something about your work environment if people are happier to be at home. Uh, I would argue that if you make a good workplace, it should feel like a second home if you've built it well. That doesn't mean 
you know, they're going to love that over home unless home life is really bad, and in which case those are issues to deal with too. But we see this going on, and that's one of those areas of flexibility. Now that we've seen the working remotely more happen, provide that. If, that's, if you know that that person has been performing well and they can be trusted to be at home and do the work without having to be on them about, hey, where is it at, where is it at? Give them what they want. Pay them and let them be at home. They're actually probably saving money. Um, or maybe they're a family that, you know what, by one parent being able to work at home at any given time, they don't have to spend money they can't afford on a babysitter or a daycare. What's more, they save money on food because it's a lot easier if you can just buy groceries and grab something in your kitchen. Uh, your your commute is much shorter, right? <laughs> you, you save money on wear and tear on a vehicle. There's a lot of good reasons as to why more remote working can be useful when it's, when it's able to be done. Um, I think a lot of people are forcing people to back, back into the office only because of that mindset I talked about earlier. Well, that's just the way we've always done it. It is potentially arrogance, hubris, um, and an unwillingness to change. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is the best decision. Conversely, sometimes you do need people there. Obviously, a surgery cannot be done remotely. I suppose you could argue you could, but I don't think we have those kinds of robotics. Um, and I don't know if it were me. At one point, I wanted to be a, a neuroscientist, a, ne a neurologist, I should say, neurosurgeon. I don't know that I would have felt comfortable with a machine connected to me doing it. There's still too much chance of something going wrong. I'd rather be there myself. Um, and so, you know, those are things that, that really can make a difference. You don't have to always think about money. But people go to money because it seems like they're felt, they feel like that's the only option they have is if they need something more from the company, they just have to ask for money. And sometimes because they're getting paid more so that they can just buy it themselves. Um, which is another thing, right, is provide your, your, your workforce with the opportunities to grow and improve their skills. If you're worried about investing too much money in a person and worried that they're just going to take off, then renegotiate the contract with them and say, hey, we understand that you want to do this training. This is going to cost, you know, $10,000. So, you know, we'd like to ensure that you're here for at least another couple of years so that we feel like we're getting compensated back in, in what you've done for us for the time we've put in and the money we've put in, I should say. And I think that's reasonable as long as you're not trying to push too far, right? If it's $10,000, uh, chances are that person is getting paid more than that annually. So, you know, you can't be like, well, we had to spend $10,000, so you got to stay here another decade. That's that's being excessive and taking advantage, in my opinion. Uh, conversely, you know, if you're a person that is wanting that kind of return other than cash, you have to be responsible with it. You have to be trustworthy. And that's another critical component with the people-first approach is you have to create trust. So as I've, as I've worked with customers, uh, clients in the past, and even now as I'm negotiating contracts with the organization I'm looking to work with, one of the critical things I have is a must-have in my work with them or any organization is that I must have access to all levels of people, including the people that you do business with. 
Because in order for me to ensure that the organization is functioning well, I need, I need to know what the average Jane Doe and John Doe working at the company, what their experience is and what they're going through. I need to know what leadership is, what their experiences is, is and what they're going through. And I need to also find out what the experience of our uh, financial supporters, if it's a nonprofit, for, for example, a foundation, uh, or our customers, the people we're serving, what their experience is from us. Because knowing all of that helps me to formulate the proper approaches to ensure a good people-first approach all around. Um, and knowing your people also requires trust. So along with saying I need to be able to have access to all people, the other part of it is I have to have freedom from scrutiny from some private information I gather. Because in order for me to develop trust as I'm talking to people within the organization, they're going to be sharing things about not just their work, but their personal life so that I can understand what their challenges are to better help, um, help them be at their peak performance. Uh, and so in order to do that, they have to know that what they share with me, leadership doesn't have access to and never will. Uh, because I'm getting it so that I can better understand a people-first approach in developing an organization so that they can be taken care of properly. And in those regards, it's somewhat like HR and some of the things I do. Some, some of what I do is kind of like a COO. Uh, some of it's like a project manager or project director program director, whatever you want to call it. And some of it is like um, an HR person. Uh, and so there's a lot of components to what I do. And it, it really requires those things. So I have to have that level of anonymity. Uh, and I, I'm, I am very firm on that. If an organization tries to be like, well, we need to know what's going on. So you know, we'd like to know your records with what's going on with these people. No. And if they insist, then I'm like, then uh, that's a termination of the contract free and clear because that was something that was written into the contract and if you're forcing that that's a breach of contract I will not do it right I the trust I have to develop with people is far more valuable than any dollar bill amount that a company is giving me I don't care if it's millions I will walk away if it's going to compromise my ability to do my work with that organization effectively uh, and so that's one of my requirements I have to have uh, protection of privacy of information because as I'm developing trust with people I I will be hearing things that are personal that's none of the company's business it's none of your business what's going on with people at home the only reason you'll know anything about it is because there's a need that you can potentially help fulfill so that that person can be more productive for you otherwise you don't need to know that's just cut and dry for me um, that said um, those are things that have to be considered and those are things that are must-haves obviously on the other end of it is compensation um, with the organization I'm currently working with they're going through a, a big change like I said half of their board has been removed uh, the executive director that they had was being removed or has been removed and part of it is because it, it, those people that were removed were creating kind of a toxicity in the organization and it started to create schisms. And uh, as the biblical saying goes, and I think it's fitting here, a house divided cannot stand. And that's true. 
It's real hard to have any kind of team cohesion and forward growth when your organization is splitting apart, right? Uh, and so because of that, I'm coming in to try and help facilitate that and cultivate that environment. And so these, these critical components like trust are absolute necessity for me. Um, payment is also part of that. So for me right now, the negotiation is I'm starting lower than I typically would for an organization of this size because they're going through such a change and they're, they're financially kind of a little bit restricted right now. But the agreement has been that we will move me towards that ideal range that I require for an organization of that size. And obviously, the longer I'm there beyond that growth period of just getting everything back in place and stable, there's more growth that would be had there on my compensation. Uh, I am not one that is saying, okay, I'm here and then you never have to pay me any increases because just even cost of living goes up year to year. I think in the U.S., the average ex expectation is you need at least, at least 3.5% uh, increase in your pay or better because it's about a 3% increase, they say, for inflation, cost of living annually. Uh, so I say 3.5 or better because at least you're above just the bare minimum. Uh, you're just eking by at 3%. I would argue you should give no less than 5%. If you're going to do raises for cost of living at least, it should be no less than 5%. This way the person has at least a little bit more flexibility uh, in what they're doing. Uh, so that all being said, my people first approach is really about cultivating culture. Uh, not culture like, you know, an ethnic culture, but workplace culture. Uh, I guess another way to say it is a positive work environment, a productive work environment. And that requires uh, helping people to optimize their efficiency with what they do, helping leadership to be better about how they take care of their people and the people they serve, helping to make it more about the emotional quotient or emotional intelligence as opposed to the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, well, I can't think of a better way to say it other than the business focus, right? Or the dollar focus. And, and really, this is true for any organization. If people don't know how to be around each other in a kind and positive way, if people don't know how to disagree with respect for one another, uh, then you've already got problems before you ever get started. And they will grow. You can't just ignore them and go have them go away. Uh, a lot of times employers will tell me, well, that, you know, then the easiest solution is just to get rid of the person. And while that may be necessary, the problem there is that may be a bit knee-jerk because the problem may be you as the employer. That person may be acting out because you're not hearing them, you're not treating them right. They don't feel like it's a, a fair situation, although I don't like to use the word fair because what is that? How do you define that? Every person has a different view of what fair is. Just like the idea of normal. Every person would define normal in different, you know, constraints. But a, a reasonable and equitable experience, right? Um, 
And so a lot of these things are just common sense in my opinion. If you if you're thinking about how to create a community, you're thinking about how to create a business. The difference between a business in my mind or the way the difference between a good business and a, a community is really just that one is focused on trying to create products and services and to bring money in. The other is just about gathering, right? You have friends over to your house for a party. You're not trying to do business. You might end up talking business with someone, but that's not the intent, right? That's not the goal. But a business should be like a community, except that your focus is also to make money, make products and services and generate income. Whether you're a nonprofit or not, you still need money to pay the bills, to pay people. Um, I, I've never been a proponent for uh, excessive volunteer work. By that, what I mean is when people bring on lots of volunteers as opposed to paying them, and then they'll just ask them to do more and more and more, and they never compensate them in any real way. I think that's, uh, I think that's bad business practice. I think it's taking advantage. Um, if a person willingly is willing to do something, then great. But then you have to work within their constraints of what they're willing to give you for free. <clears throat> so with all of that said, right, that's that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. That's why I, I believe in this people first approach. I've seen what happened to my father with FedEx and how they treated him and took advantage and left him high and dry. I've seen things like with Amazon and heard from others and other places, Walmart and others, where people have said these things and how they've felt mistreated and mishandled and not heard and not valued. <clears throat> and I've seen organizations in which they just are unwilling to adapt and change. They're so stubborn uh, and they don't carry much of a people first approach. Many, I would say many, uh, I, I I would maybe go far as to say most of what I've seen um, in businesses don't carry this people-first approach. And so I present this. And, and at some point, you know, as I get more clients, I'll be offering to train people up in, in some of what I've learned uh, to ensure that I have agents out there that can do the work, uh, or representatives, I should say. It sounds a little weird, like you know, spy kind of stuff to say agents, but anyways, so that we can put this out there more because it needs to be. And certainly I would say millennials, Gen Z, and I'm sure Gen, Gen Alpha, when they come out into the workforce are expect, are going to expect that more is yes, you should pay me well, but I also need to appreciate my time here. And, and I think employers would do well to recognize that make the work environment like a second home in some ways a place they enjoy coming to yes there's work there's challenge but they can still enjoy it and if you build it right you can do that i'm not saying it's perfect i don't believe that there's such a thing as perfect or anything like that on earth but you can improve and to the extent that you're unwilling to improve is to the extent that you will set yourself up for failure well, friends, I could go on and on about this, but, you know, if that's something you really want to know, you can, you know, consult with me. Uh, if you're an organization, you can certainly reach out to me and we can talk about how I can help you with that. Um, and we'll go from there. 
Well, friends, again, to keep these episodes from getting too long, I'm going to cut it short here. Well, not really cut it short, but I'm going to end it here. As always, friends, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to the world around you. Uh, be good to people as much, as much as you can, especially those that you may not really agree with very well. It is possible, and it is a great character feature, to be a person who can be respectful, even when you differ in opinions with someone. You don't have to like it, and if it's a person who's toxic, you know, you don't have to keep them in your life around you constantly, right? Because if it's affecting your mental health, that's not good. But be good to yourself. Take care of your health. Take care of your mind. Be creative. Be learning. Be curious about this big world we live in and all the things we still don't know and the big universe we live in. <laughs> Uh, there's so many things that could end our life on any day, right? We don't have any guarantee of our days. So make the most of them as much as you can. Uh, I would rather be smiling and laughter most of my life than be sad and angry and tired and worn out and undervalued. And there's things we can do about that. Part of that is just making the commitment to be better with ourselves and with others. We're going to mess up, but keep trying. Well, friends, until the next episode... Uh, I wish you all the the best. Uh, my prayers and my thoughts and my, my love is with you, friends. I thank you so much for being with me on this journey. And I look forward to seeing you soon um, on the next episode. And I look forward to, hopefully, as this grows and you become more financial supporters and my advertising grows, uh, I can start being able to do things where I can do Zoom meetings with friends and we can do things on Discord once I get that, you know, growing so that we can communicate with each other more. Until then, friends, be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Be kind to yourselves and the world around you. Always be learning and growing. And we will see you on the next episode.